let's break it down. It's another episode of your source for everything Overwatch League in the podcast sphere. (laughs) (laughs) Today is April the 8th. You're listening to episode number 18, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You should absolutely follow us on Twitter, at BreakItDownOWL. That's also Instagram and Facebook. We're pretty good at live tweeting during the games. We're still working on our in-between games, Instagram and Twitter game. Yeah, we lack there. We lack there. That's that's mostly on me. Slacking. You can also connect with Brian directly at jwill2287. If you have any inquiries, questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us, BreakItDownOWL at gmail.com. And I do well. Let's let's get it started with Jay. Well, how you feeling, my man? Doing all right, buddy. A little tired, but we're gonna push through this. We're gonna make it happen. Yes, our wives lovingly dragged us to some new uh, uh, cardiovascular strength training combinations. Yes, and everyone hates me. It does not lead to energetic podcasting capabilities. <laughs> so no, no, make it until we make it. That's exactly right. Quickly, want to go through a couple of things that are changing about the podcast a little bit. First of all, this is episode 18 because I am catching us up to what you are seeing on your applications. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. This is number 18, the number 18 entry into Let's Break It Down. Uh, For a minute, we weren't kind of treating the Power Ranks episodes as like a full episode. So they did not have numbers associated with them and we weren't tracking them that way. But I just wanted to line it up. Let's just let's get it lined up. Let's not confuse anybody. So here we are. This is episode number 18, and we're going to just start right there. What we're going to be doing moving forward is we're going to cut down the length of the episodes a little bit, and we are going to do a recap show, which will be about 45 minutes. We're going to do a preview show, which is another 45 minutes, and then we're going to stick with our 30-minute Power Rank episode. So you will have more opportunities to listen to us in a shorter time box, and we think this is going to work better. Yeah, I think more importantly, it gives us actually a little more time to go into more games and talk a little more in depth about certain things, both as a recap and a preview, because we're not trying to cram everything into one episode there to where we have to split our time evenly. We're going to be able to to really focus and dive into a lot more things. And I think this is good for both the listeners and for us at the same time. I'm also going to move, in this case, the news section into the preview show. I think it's important to cover the news looking forward. It doesn't That's have fair. an impact on the fast. So. That's fair. Very fair. No arguments from me. <laughs> New news will not impact what had already happened. We call that old news. But what we do get to do right now is dive right on into some matches. And we had some doozies and some woozies. <laughs> I made woozies up. It sounded good. I needed a rhyming word for a crappy match. <laughs> you do you, man. All I know is that it went pretty much as expected. Just, just saying. Jay Will, how expected would you say? Would you say somewhat close to 15 and 1 expected? Yeah, I mean, near perfection as expected. So you know, we know what we're doing here, folks. All right. <laughs> yes, there's some hiccups along the way, but we know who the good teams are and who the good teams are not. So I, I guess we, we could cover this because it is in the past and it, it's pretty exciting. I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, Jay Will and myself. We we put our match picks out there. We didn't get a chance to record an episode. It came down to the wire, so we just we decided to put an article out there with all of our match picks, just so that they were locked in and nobody could say we made it up afterwards. 
and we correctly picked 15 of the 16 matches that occurred last week. So, I mean, you know, pats on the back all around, you know, kudos, bragging, everything's amazing. Yes, it was epic. I loved it. <laughs> I was happy that we were able to pull that off. I didn't didn't know about a couple matchups. It really wasn't that many. I, I really felt like this week had a ton of favorites that just did what they were finally supposed to do, which was win. Well, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but Boston kept us sweating real good on a couple of things. I never lost faith. In all honesty, I actually never sweated that matchup or either of their matchups for a second. I just kind of sat there and went, meh. <laughs> just wait. Just come, after, come back after halftime. I'll, I'll decide on, on, on game three whether I should sweat or not. Well, let's dive right on into it. Let's try that again. Thursday, April the 4th. Kicked off with the New York Excelsior smashing Philadelphia right in the face 4-0. Thank you, Lemmings, for picking that one. We both picked that one, but that's okay. <laughs> we are who Philly thought we were. We Philly is who we thought they were. Still a top five team in the league. <laughs> There's just such a huge gap between the top two and everybody else. Next up, we had Boston pulling off the reverse sweep against the Atlanta Reign. So both of these teams impacted by trades, an epic match. Yes, it was an epic match. Atlanta actually surprised us, I believe, coming out, going up 2-0. We really didn't think they'd come out and be as strong after DeFran retiring and signing Baby Bay two days before. It just it didn't seem like the pieces were there, but they were they were competitive, which was good to see. Lastly, for the fourth, we had the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And the Gladiators pull this one out 3-1. For the Gladiators, I mean, this is this both of you and I called, you know, moved them up in the power rankings. We called their improvement in this stage. And this was moment number one to prove it. It was. And they had me sweating for all of, I don't know, a map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, hold on, guys. You're, you Get your act together. This is not who, the team we expected to come out in stage two. And lo and behold, after that first map, they did. And they played the way I expect them to play and dominated the way I expected them to dominate. Maybe the disappointment for some, but that's the switch that changed between map one and two, three, and four was sure for being out of the lineup. So they came out with sure four in, they did not do so well on the um, control map. Wow. I don't know. Why it took, <laughs> took me to think about that. The control <laughs> map. And then, and then they, they rotated sure four out and they were able to, to just sweep the rest of the game. So, yeah, I'm not sure why they elected to even play him because Widow's still not a part of the meta, really. I know that some people are going to play her off and on, but you're going to run into teams that are going to play some of these bunker compositions, and she just she has no use there. You have to get a shield buster, and she's just not it. So I, I'm not overly surprised that Scherfer struggled because he's being asked to play some other heroes or be stuck playing as a Widow in a composition that's just not sh- as strong where the game is currently it's it's unfortunate because he's a fantastic widow player but they looked fine without him at the end of stage one i was surprised to see him starting in stage two i don't expect he'll start next week but we'll see they'll surprise us i'm sure i do want to correct myself a slight error i made there the the last match of the 4-4 of the april the 4th set is actually Paris taking on the Guangzhou charge but because of the way they've adjusted the schedule start times for eastern time we have it as starting on Friday because technically it doesn't start for us until uh midnight or later so it bumps into the next one but we'll cover it here 
the the actual last match for <laughs> for Thursday the fourth was the Paris Eternal taking on the Guangzhou Charge, and this was the only one that we got wrong. And we, wah, wah, wah. we really thought I really thought that Paris was kind of on the downswing, and even though Guangzhou had not had the greatest of stage ones. I thought there was a lot, there's a lot of great talent on that roster and they did take some epic teams to some pretty close matches. And there's a Vancouver match in there where they're kind of one diva bomb away from, from taking Vancouver down for their first loss. They have, they had a flexible roster. They'd actually forced Dallas in stage one to play into kind of a, a four DPS, three DPS composition and kind of smashed them at it. So I I thought, all right, you know, Guangzhou, step up. You got some DPS. You got some great talent. Let's see. And Paris said, no, sir. <laughs> we are going to demolish you. Yeah, they played uh, Shadowburn and Soon together, which I think was the difference, honestly, for yeah. them. I expected Guangzhou to be better. Don't get me wrong. They did not look good. I thought the meta changes or, the, excuse me, the patch changes fit them very well with the roster they had and what they were already playing. So I'm not quite sure what the problem was for them but they just didn't look like they were all there but it was good to see Shadowburn and soon get to play together because they're both phenomenal dps players i'm assuming we'll see more of that with the way the game is currently comprised it'll be interesting to see how well they fare though when they're stuck having to go into a 3-3 because of certain maps and that moves us along into friday april the 5th which kicked off with a match that everyone saw coming <laughs> <laughs> London ended up taking down Florida. I think the score may have surprised a couple of people. So they ended up 2-1. So there's a there's a draw in there. Kind of a bummer if you're London and you're heading into those map differentials come playoff time. That was That's one that they're going to want to get back, I think. Yes, that absolutely is one that they want to get back. You can't, you can't play basically the worst team in the league and only win 2-1. You need to get that 3-1-4-0. I, I don't mind them dropping a map. It's not that uncommon for even the best teams to to drop a map to certain teams. It happens. But yeah, but you need to get that 3-1 for map differential purposes. So this is not quite as good of a showing as London would have liked, I'm sure. Florida did look competent for a while. I was actually impressed with right. the new roster, basically put together a day before the match. <laughs> um, so that was kudos to them. Unfortunately, it didn't last, but... Uh, they had a good showing against London. London's still, I think, trying to figure themselves out here in season two just a little bit. You know, the game has changed so much between, honestly, stage one and stage two with all those patch changes, and they were still trying to fit into the 3-3. Now you have to fit into the 3-3 some and some of your old school stuff. So they're probably just trying to figure a few things out. But, you know, they got the win. That's the important part. Unfortunately, they didn't get it as good as they wanted. Well, of note for Florida, too, they walked into this match having basically eliminated their entire Western core of players. So your Tivik, Apply, those guys all bowed out, essentially. Mm -hmm. The general management of Florida has elected to go forward with a Korean leadership and an all-Korean roster to improve communication issues. So this was the first time we saw the roster that we did see for Florida. And, you know, I think improvement could be made from from the fixing of those communication issues, right? So you know, a little bit more a dash, more coordinated, a dash more, you know, in line with their ultimates and things like that. And they were able to take essentially one, you know, one map, you know, 1.5 maps maybe off of London. I don't know how you count the draw, but, you know, a little bit of improvement for Florida. I think if you're a Florida fan, your management finally did something which they needed to do. So you, you yeah. got to have a little hope there. <laughs> yeah, so at least the upper brass decided, hey, this isn't working. Let's go to something else. Yeah, whatever it is, it's not working. So we have to change it somehow. This was their solution. 
And that led us into another match that everyone saw coming, and that was Toronto Defiant taking on the Washington Justice, and they won this one three to one. I think they want that one map back. Yes, can't can't drop maps to the worst teams. It's as simple as that. Those things come back to bite you. Luckily, Toronto had a good stage one, so their season record is in fine shape right now. But if you're stuck in a tie, you certainly, certainly want those maps back when you lose to bad teams. I, it's inexplicable that to me that some of the top teams end up dropping some of these games or maps, but it's just kind of what Overwatch is. You're, it's very actually difficult to 4-0 teams. It really is. When you look at the scores and look how close some of those 4-0s can be, especially with overtimes deciding matches, it's so tough to win four in a row. It really is. This was the debut of Arc for Washington. And, you know, by all accounts that were coming out of the Washington camp, he was brought in as another shot caller, another leader to get in there with Janus and try to make an impact on a on a Washington squad that just genuinely seems disconnected. Yeah, you know, when they're fighting, their ultimate timings are off, they're being aggressive when they don't need to be aggressive, you know, tanks are in and isolated and alone. It's kind of a mess, a jumble to watch, you know, very much. You know, we've we've talked about this before, almost kind of seems like solo queue, a team that was put together by, you know, solo queue matchmaking. And here they are playing on the Overwatch League stage. Didn't go great for him, but I think a little bit of improvement from the Washington Justice. And hopefully they can continue to work on this. Ark was kind of brought in a little bit later, so he needs to get more and more integrated in. Plus the whole meta changed a lot. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. But maybe if you're a Justice fan, a dash of hope. A little dash of hope. They're very much a work in progress. I think their coaches know that. I think the players know that. Obviously, management has continued to try to improve upon the roster and make some changes here and there. But they're going to be a season-long work in progress. Hopefully, they get it figured out before the end of the season. So we have some positive, positive moments for them moving into season three. All right, I'm going to stop talking about matches that everyone saw coming because <laughs> a lot of them are like this. But here comes another one. We had the San Francisco Shock taking on the Los Angeles Valiant and absolutely crushing it 4-0. If you're the Valiant, we said this. I said this in my article. I, I do still believe in the Valiant being a somewhat talented roster. But I knew that they weren't. I, I mean, I know this is San Francisco. This is San Francisco's stage. If stage one kind of messed up the San Francisco Shock a little bit because they had to see the New York Excelsior, the Vancouver Titans, and a lot of these other really tough teams, stage two is is on a silver platter for the San Francisco Shock walking into the stage playoffs. <laughs> yes. Um, this just kicked it off. A Los Angeles Valiant team that's struggling to find its identity. And again, in a 3-3 where they were at least somewhat competitive and now that completely changed now into something else. And, you know, they still don't know who's the leader there. Custa's not even really playing that much. Uh, Iziaki to me is still a liability on, on flex supporting. Not sure where to go if you're the Valiant. It is very much uh, free-flowing water at this point for them. Like it's just, They're going wherever anything takes them, and it's just it's rough rapids at the moment. They're riding the bumps out as best they can, trying to make something out of this season because going 0-7 in the first stage pretty much dooms you for this season, in all honesty. They just can't catch a break. San Francisco is a really talented team. They've got so much quality in their DPS line. They're playing so well together. Their youth is so, so good. So much fun to watch, too. So, again, not an unexpected result. You just you kind of feel bad for the Valiant because, like you said, their roster is better than what they're showing right now. Yeah, and they're not... 
they're not really going to have a cakewalk here in stage two. So they come up against the rain next week, but then they'll see uh, Gladiators, Fuel, Dynasty, and Hunters on the way out with one little justice match sprinkled in there. They have an opportunity for their first win, certainly against the Justice. Uh, Atlanta Reigns probably the only other question mark in there for me, but I think you can pencil in losses to the Gladiators, Fuel, Dynasty, and Hunters at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Not a great start to the league. I think they'll be out of season contention, and hopefully that leadership starts looking for something else, so what they need to do to kind of fix this. Yeah. And the last technical match for everyone who's not in the Eastern Daylight time for Friday, April the 5th, was the Los Angeles Gladiators taking down the Seoul Dynasty 3-2. So this was my prove-it match for the Los Angeles Gladiators. You know, had you guys, have you guys leveled up? So you're playing against a team that managed to take down the New York Excelsior and make the Excelsior look bad doing it in the stage playoffs and in this whole dynasty being a pretty strong team, kind of a middle-of-the-road team, and you needed to look good. I'm not convinced that they looked good or great. It was, an, I mean, if this if there's a match to watch, this is probably one of the few of this week where there's actually legitimate competitiveness other than both of Boston's. I mean, this one literally came down to time banks, last map, last match. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> at the wire that Los Angeles Gladiators pulled it out. But but in a way that tells us something about them that they're resilient and that they can still find a way to win a match even with some up down roller coaster in it. Yeah, I mean, I called this going through five maps. I did. This was the match I expected to go five maps. Uh, I think Seoul is a very quality team. I think they're going to be fine within the with the patch changes. I still think the Gladiators are better because I picked them. I'm not surprised at the result or the score of this match. I think these are two top top 10 teams easily. So this was a good quality match against probable playoff teams from stage two. You would hope Seoul... I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but they should certainly be in playoff contention at the end of the stage. Uh, Let's see. They have an up-down. The biggest problem for Seoul in this stage is that they're going to be seeing the Titans twice. Uh, That's probably their their next match will be against the Titans, and then they'll actually have a closeout match against the Titans as well. But they have Outlaws, Valiant, Spark, and Fuel in between there. So Eh, Not an easy stage. You got to get to four and three still. I think that's the benchmark, and then a plus three map differential within the stage. Yeah, that's that's like my personal benchmark for are you really going to be in the playoffs or not? So, you know, if they come out of that four and three, three and four, I think they're okay still going forward. If they don't make the stage playoffs, so be it. But they're going to be right there at the end. And that means we get to talk about Saturday the 6th. And this one kicked off with Philadelphia getting the revenge game against Florida. And they were able to to knock it out of the park 3-1. Boombox wasn't sick. Philly gets the win. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple there, right? You still don't like losing the map to Florida. Yep. I don't think it's all surprising. I'm not sure that Philly really enjoys playing those control point maps. I don't know their record off the top of my head, but they just don't seem like they have it in them on those maps. So, which is unfo- weird because when you get them to map five, that's what you're playing as a control point. And then I guess they flip the switch, but you got to get to map five before it matters. They did look a little disjointed still, but clearly the better team in this matchup. It was them and somebody else, the... The announcers were talking about, and I have to think about it or or try and find the clip. But they're talking about just there's a couple of teams that just seem to play better with their back up against the wall. Yeah, and you know in those in those map fives, time banks, last offense, last push kind of situations, they managed to to pull them out. So, I'll assume they were referring to Boston. <laughs> it could be, and that's a great segue. 
into the next match, which was Boston taking on the Toronto Defiant. And we have us another reverse sweep. That's right. Defiant go up 2-0 heading into halftime and Boston come out. And frankly, for both of Boston's matches, for both of their reverse sweeps, the story here is RCK for me personally. Yeah, the new addition looked really good with that roster. I gave them more flexibility, which is why I think they made the trade because they can go Diva or Sombra now, which I think they were lacking. Going back real quick, actually, to the Boston-Atlanta matchup, there's a great play. If you guys haven't seen it, in real time, I didn't didn't appreciate it as much as I, I did when I went back and watched it later, which is... On the last point for Eichenwald, RCK puts up a diva bomb on the cart. There's a grab from Baby Babe. This one not even. Self-destruct coming in. No kills out of that one. The shield from Reinhardt got turned in time. Fusion protecting his team. But now Kellogg's is down. There goes Colorhax. And it looks like Atlanta Rain, despite the shatter from Fusions, might be able to do it right here. Self-destruct. RCK get two. Really? RCK catching a couple people that couldn't quite get around the corner. And he is lasting long enough for his teammates to get back from the response. Atlanta Rain scrambling to try to win this series right now. Maza a little bit low and they can't quite. And it's literally, I think he's the only person on the cart. So it's literally to save the map and, and the actual to continue this sweep, to actually keep the sweep going. Uh, otherwise, it would have been, you know, Atlanta would have won three matches and it was over. And at real time, it looks like he just puts the bomb up and there's two Atlanta players behind the cart who just, you know, are kind of ducking behind. You can tell they're trying to get the right angle. And in real time, they die. And so you kind of think, oh, they didn't have the angles or something. But I've been around carts and diva bombs and it's kind of unpredictable. But I felt like they were in a pretty good spot. If you go back and you watch it, RCK actually nudges his diva mech. <laughs> so... And, and and if you're playing in competitive in this following week, be prepared for a lot of divas to be putting off the bomb on the ledge and trying to boop it off, trying to kind of push it off. Because this happened more than once in this stage specifically. I, there was many of them. Uh, John is kind of the 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 pro that comes to mind when I think of it. But RCK actually, when you're in diva form, you can kind of nudge the mech a little bit as it's exploding. And he does that, and it gives that mech the angle onto those two players and, and legitimately saves the reverse sweep. So, you know, welcome welcome to Boston, RCK. I You know, I really just think we, we called that, and you called that just a second ago, just adds that flexibility of being able to get over to a Sombra if they need to, something that Note really hadn't been comfortable doing. And it clearly worked out for them in two, two good wins here in week one of stage two. I told you he was underrated on Dallas's roster. The next match is the New York Excelsior taking on the Shanghai Dragons. This one went to 3-0. So another one I think New York Excelsior is not going to necessarily need. But we saw Vancouver overtake them for that top seed in the Stage 1 playoffs. And could be another another situation where, where that this comes to play. Could be. Obviously, they didn't drop one, so they're still getting a plus 3 out of that, which is good. I forget what map they dropped. I do believe it was the the assault map, or not drop, but tied. I should say. But still, they look they look like New York. It's it's tough to repeat yourself over and over with them. They look like themselves unless it's a playoff atmosphere. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. It's so weird. Yeah. Hopefully, they get that sorted out because we want to see them play Vancouver. We want to see that. And the last match for Saturday the sixth was the debut of the Chengdu. Hunters and they did not 
disappoint. They were playing DPS before it was cool. They <laughs> knew about these compositions long before you ever even thought about scrimmaging them. And they take down the Paris Eternal 4-0. Much more of the Paris team I expected starting stage two. And the exact thing I expected out of Chengdu. A lot of fun, a lot of entertainment, a lot of cheers from the crowd. They're just a fun team to watch. I've said it before, I'll say it again. They're the most exciting team in the league to watch. This is going to be their meta for sure. They are compositions that they were running during 3-3 heaven that are absolutely bonkers right now. And even when these you know compositions that they used to play in the 3-3 meta, they're not even playing anymore and they're mixing it up again. So we're going to talk about this match a little bit later, but you know, just an absolute blast. Another fun one to watch. Which takes us right on into Sunday, April the 7th, kicking it off with the San Francisco Shock dominating the Guangzhou Charge 4-0. Charge don't look good. San Francisco is still San Francisco. Not much to talk about with this matchup. I expect more of these kind of matchups with San Francisco playing in this stage, though. <laughs> San Francisco just having fun right now. They are yeah. just, they have, I mean, even with the loss in the stage one finals, they something clicked, right? I mean, they took Vancouver to the absolute brink and played out of their minds but they are continuing that play here into the stage two regular season so i mean just watching them they just look like they're having fun sinatra is going absolutely insane super has a it feels like super has a shatter every 10 seconds it's insane it really is that entire roster builds alts at an insane rate but that's because they play so aggressive and go get damage yeah. to build their alts which is crazy when you consider some of the teams like new york who play super defensive they don't build alts quite as fast, but it's not slow on their behalf either. So it, they're wonderful to watch. They're so, so young, so excited. I want to say that that finals matchup was more of a validation for them, even though they lost that, yo, we belong just because we're younger and we had a bad season one does not mean we don't belong with these top teams. Yeah. So I hope, continue with that mindset. The sky's the limit for this roster right now. Yeah, there's an absolute top tier right now. It's that one, two, three. It's the Excelsior, the Vancouver, and the San Francisco, and then everyone else in the league for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that, even though I still think Vancouver and New York are still a step above San Francisco. The next matchup continues the downward spiral for the Atlanta Reign. They took on the London Spitfire, and they got whooped 4-0. Much more of what I expected from London, much like Paris on Saturday. Or excuse me, not London, Atlanta. This is... I expected them to struggle with the roster changes and whatnot. And London showed improved play from Friday to Sunday. Came Absolutely. out and got the 4-0 that they needed to get. They need to get that math differential. It came back to bite them, honestly, in stage one, even though right. they finished three and four. But they were in a bad spot, even if they had finished four and three. So this is a good showing for them, especially with the new meta, especially with the DPS heroes coming back. They've got some phenomenal players. They've got Profit. They've got Bird Ring. They can do a lot of damage with those two players. And they're still good at tank. They've still got Gesture. Bedoshin's still on the roster. I mean, their roster is still loaded. They just they need to make sure that they take advantage of these patch changes right now to to get back into the thick of this playoff race for the season. Yeah, this was Atlanta looked even more discompobulated with the Baby Bay trade in this matchup than they did in their first matchup. Maybe that was kind of the, you know, in the first matchup they come out, they got two wins, they're looking good. It's kind of that new player smell. Um, (laughs) but here in this one it it just it did not look communicated well they they were just off right and london this was kind of where we expected to see london in stage one this was a london that's built around bird ring being successful 
But not just that. They actually played a good chunk of of 3-3 compositions, which they didn't look great on in Stage 1, but they continue to work. I think they recognize that this is not going to go away. It's going to be a composition that you're going to need to be good at. And so they're still willing to play, but they're also willing to switch into some other fun stuff. And they have a roster that can do it. So this was a good match. It was. Let's let's give a shout out to Fury real quick. How many of Baby Bay's Graviton Surges he eat, you think? Off the top uh, he, of your head? Uh, it was six, I think. You want to say six? I can, I, I'm going to say at least six. I believe he set, he set the record for the number of ultimates eaten. eaten. <laughs> I think it was like he eaten did. on average for 10 minutes. I think that's the record he took was back. Something like that. Yeah. Cause yeah. it was, cause it was eight earlier it by John. It was insane though. Yeah. Like he just, every time baby Bay threw an all, I mean, he was throwing alts from all over the map, like yeah. just praying to catch him off guard. No, I got that. Um, nom, nom, nom. Like it was funny. Yeah, I, a, I felt bad for it, for Baby Bay, honestly. There's a great play in there in which he actually jibates Baby Bay. It's on thinking, 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 thinking. Watch point Gibraltar, the third point. They are pushing the cart up the hill to take the left turn and head down towards the, the shuttle. And Fury actually turns around, turns away from the fight to make it look. I don't know what he, I mean, what he would be looking back back there. But Baby Bay was like, ooh, this is my chance and throws it. <laughs> The ultimate warrior eating all the ultimates thrown out by the opposition. Baby Bay got mind gamed in this one. We highlighted it earlier. There it is one more time. Look at this reaction. Literally, I mean, that's point three of a second. Point three of a second. The whole flight, man. It's also spirit breaking for the Zarya. Like, oh, can yeah. I ever use my oh, ultimate? My Someone God. check his mouse. <laughs> Fury turns around in like point three of a second, eats the grab, and then turns back. Right? He's just like, no, I'm here to eat this, and then I'm out. <laughs> I have, was, I have one roll here. <laughs> it's instantaneous. It was so, he was just like, turn, eat, go. Like 0. 0.3 of a second. It's insane. But enough about those two. We got to see the return of the stage one undefeated champions, the Vancouver Titans, taking on the Hangzhou Spark in a match that we thought could be a little bit of, of an upset. And Vancouver said, nah, fam, we got this one too. 4 0. Hangzhou Spark weren't even in it. They weren't. They looked bad. It's it's depressing knowing what, what they have on that roster and the talent that's there. Another case of it just not working and meshing right now. Maybe they need to make a change. I don't know. I don't know how what, what the best route is for them. Obviously, we're not inside their locker rooms and part of scrims and practices, but it's just not working right now for yeah. them. And, and they've got a lot to work with, which is the frustrating part for me as a, as a viewer. But you didn't expect them to beat Vancouver. You just you just don't want to see it 4-0. You just want to be competitive in that matchup and prove that, you, again, you can compete with these teams and you belong in the top eight going forward regularly. And that's not what they did. I mean, one thing that changed for the Hangzhou Spark was they locked in Gushui as their main tank rather than a rotation between No Smite and Gushui. And ever since they've done that, they really have not looked good. So I wonder if there's an opportunity here to go back. Maybe the communication issues, uh, Gushui being a, a predominantly Chinese speaker and, and the rest of the roster being mostly Korean, could be causing some issues. I don't know. But that ever since they've made that lock-in choice to, be, to have Gushui as their main tank, it just hasn't seemed to have been going well for them. It went well for like a match, right? And then it just kind of disintegrated after that. Yeah. And that brings us to our last match of Sunday, April the 7th, the last match of week one of stage two. And that was the Chengdu Hunters showing off some fun against the Washington Justice. And they'll end up winning it three, two, one. 
what a great matchup for the fans, right? Just so many different heroes played, so many different compositions run. Just a joy to watch from top to bottom. It, can't say it enough. These when you're when you have the Chengdu Hunters in a matchup, it forces other teams to do some some different things, which is not bad for the league. It's kind of what the league needs, or at least during stage one, they certainly needed it. They're yeah. getting it in stage two from more teams because of the patch changes. But like, my goodness, this team just all over the place. You never know what's coming next. When you think you expect something, they run something completely off the wall. It's, it's, I just love, love watching them play. Chengdu definitely mixing up their compositions, and Justice was desperately searching for some answers for some of that. This match actually set a record for the number of heroes that were used with more than a minute minimum playtime at 27. So 27 different heroes experienced at least a minute or more. So not just a little five second trying to stall the point wrecking ball or something. They all had at least a minute of play, which means probably at least, you know, one one push of play. And the only three that weren't used were Ash, Roadhog, and Reaper. None of those are surprising. They struggle within competitive play. Yeah, Ash doesn't do enough damage to be anything super useful even if you're hitting headshots it's not that crazy yeah and bob's too counterable exactly it's easy to counter especially with somber being played so heavily especially with the immunity field now as a part of the game yeah hacking a sleep dart and he does nothing right so he doesn't really have a, a use not many teams play roadhog unless they want to come out throw a quick hook and then go back and change we've seen that a few times on mm-hmm. a specific map i can't think of the one off the top of my head and reaper just doesn't have it you you, you come out of your shadow step and or Wraith form, excuse me, and uh, somebody, uh, Bridget's just waiting on you, or a McCree at this point, and they're just going to kill you instantly. There's nothing you can do. It's You're not playing bronze-level players here, so Reaper is not that powerful. Yeah, most compositions these days have three stuns. With, you know, if you count on a Sleep Dart, you got Brigitte, and now we've even started to see more McCree. There's just not a whole lot of opportunity for you to pull off anything successful. There's always a Diva in there to eat your ult. Yeah, just not a whole lot of fun to be a Reaper player right now. Which is sad. Sorry, buddy. And that closes out our recall through the matches, which means we get to react a little bit to a couple of them. Want to go a little bit more into depth on a few things or just have some fun with it. And the first thing we're going to kick it off with, I don't know if these are really critical hits anymore. These are probably pretty, these are more like obvious hits. (laughs) Body shots, maybe. (laughs) We'll we'll call this section body shots today. Yeah. But uh, Boston's new logo should be a backwards broom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there's a team that comes out of halftime looking stronger than Boston does. I don't know. I mean, we tweeted this out. I'm pretty sure they go into every match and just say, look, just hold them off in in match one and two, and we're going to come out. We're going to fix all the things in halftime. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Like, It's just so crazy. They come out, and you know, even when they go down 0-2 in halftime, I'm still sitting there going, there's a chance. This is still okay. (laughs) Like... You know, it, it's just so crazy because they were doing this in stage one, too, coming out of halftime, making the right adjustments, doing what they needed to do, working out their communication issues. And this was with a brand like they came out of halftime with a brand new player. First match out It's the second match of the entire new meta, new player on the field. And they come out of halftime in reverse sweep. I mean, it's just crazy. It's insane to, to think or see how well they play under that kind of pressure. Because you can't lose the third map. Well, realistically, you can't lose any of them after halftime. You have to win all three to win the map match. And they've done it now three straight times in regular season play, which is absurd to think about. So they're going 
020202 just to turn around and go 303030. A switch flips at halftime. And you can see it in that third mat every time. You can see the momentum completely shifting. And then once Boston gets it, they never relinquish it, no matter yeah. who they're playing. There's the, you're not going to have a map five letdown. If they cut to map five, you've pretty much got that locked up. And it's it's really, really crazy to see. I don't know if Fusions is just throughout the first two maps going, okay, you're doing this. Okay, got it. Yep. Okay, we're struggling here. Yep. Goes into halftime, says, hey, here's what's happening, by the way, and here's how we're going to fix this. Let's go. And then they just jump on him and they say, all right, we got you. Like, it's just, it's insane. Also, shout out to our buddy, Mr. Winant. He pointed this out. The Atlanta Reign are not the first Atlanta team to fall apart <laughs> against the Boston team <laughs> after halftime. Hashtag 28-3. Never, never forget. <laughs> so if you don't catch the reference, uh, Super Bowl, what, two years ago? Yes, two years ago before Philadelphia. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but yes, two years ago. Me either. Uh, Atlanta is going into halftime against the New England Patriots, up 28-3. to And uh, spoiler alert, they lose that match. or <laughs> They lose that Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, they were 28-3, what, midway through the third quarter? Yeah, a, a, a Boston team comes out of halftime with some great adjustments and reverse sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's the sum of that matchup for yeah. Boston and Atlanta. All right, some people may not like to hear this. I think a lot of people love to complain about about Overwatch's meta a lot, but this is this is Lemming's personal reflections on the meta. I think it's in an amazing spot right now. I think a lot of people wanted goats to die completely. They were done with 3-3. They don't want to see three tanks and three supports on the field. I think it has a place in Overwatch, but what we are starting to see here, and I think it's just going to continue as as teams get more scrim time, more practice time with both Baptiste and all the changes that occurred during during the stage one, stage two break, that we're going to see less, you know, potentially less 3-3. But it seems like most anything that you want to run, if you can, you know, if your players are skilled at it, you have an opportunity to run it. We saw Chengdu run basically one, two, threes. They were main tanking a wrecking ball. Uh, we've seen a lot of bunker compositions now with Bastion Arisa setups. We've seen some four one ones come out. So there's we've seen some some light dive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know it's it's just it's in a good spot. You know, is three three still going to get used? Yes. If you're having not a lot of success doing anything else, it's it's a great place to fall back to. And the the heroes that it requires are easy for players to flex onto. So I get it. But I didn't want it to go away. I think there are moments where 3-3 is fun. But I really genuinely believe right now that Overwatch's meta is in a really good place. I think I said this on the podcast. If not, I know I said it to you and the guys. I was all in favor of 3-3 sticking around. I simply wanted more options to combat it. More viable options to play against it. To say, hey, you can run this, but we're going to have something that can sort of counter it, if not full counter it. And then you've got to adjust to something else. And that's more or less what's happening right now. 3-3, still the top stop setup, especially with the Reinhardt. It is still the go-to for teams when they're trying to say, hey, this isn't working. Just go 3-3 and let's go. Let's try to out-sustain again. And that's, that's great. I'm wholly okay with that. But now we're seeing the bunker compositions. You still have a little 4-1-1. You've even got some 2-2-2 thrown in. But it... More or less, the composition is map dependent, and that's what I want. I want to know going into a map that 
there's going to be multiple heroes played, multiple things done to counter a lineup that's come out. I believe that's the way it should be. Are certain compositions possibly a little too strong on certain maps? Maybe. You can make that argument. But I'm certainly okay with where the game is at right now. Yeah, and I think we're still going to see 3-3 be even less of a fallback, like I said, as they get more scrim time, as they get more practice time on this. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be less of like a fallback, and people are going to say, no, 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 let's stick with this because we're skilled and we can make it work. Yeah. And that wraps up the body shots. (laughs) (laughs) Which means we've got a couple shockers, I think. These are some shocks for the week. I think Guangzhou charges in more trouble than I originally thought. We've kind of talked about this a couple of times in our power ranks. I've kept them up a little bit thinking, you know, at some point all this individual talent is going to play out and they're going to be successful. They've fought in some really hard teams and done well. Even if they didn't win the match, they were still competitive and looked like there was a chance. So I kept kind of keeping them up there, keeping them afloat and saying, oh, this is going to be fine. I expected that they would not be able to beat the San Francisco Shock. I don't think I expected that they would get 4 0 but the bigger, you know, and what indicates to me that they're in a little bit more trouble is that they got rickrolled by Paris 4-0. And Paris is going to go on to lose to Chengdu. So it's not like Paris and it's not like Paris leveled up and they're some, you know, next level team all of a sudden in the stage. You know, they're they're a middling team as well. So for me, Guangzhou Charge, you have a lot of talent on the roster, but it just doesn't seem to be playing out on the stage in a team fashion. No, it doesn't. And I've had conversations with people that I've been playing with recently about this, how Overwatch to me is one of the more, essentially it's the ultimate team esport. I know that's probably a bad way to put it, but you can't win without six people working together as one. And I like that. I really do. There are other games where you know you can put in one spectacular player and they can just run rough shot over everybody, at least when the talent levels are equal. Obviously, if you put a you know gold player in bronze, you're probably going to struggle against the one gold player, or especially if you get any higher than that, platinum or diamond, you're going to have problems if you're a bronze level player going up against that. But all things being equal, if you're not playing together as a group, you're seriously going to struggle, which again, I like. I, I like that being the way the game is conducted. So Guangzhou needs to figure that out. They need to get into somewhere where everybody's on the same page, they're working together, they're communicating effectively, they're executing their game plans in order to be successful. It may take more time than we thought based on what we saw in stage one, but they've got to figure something out soon. And I don't know that this is going to come as a surprise to anybody, but somebody has to figure out Vancouver's escort offensive strategies. (laughs) So, (laughs) So if you're watching a Vancouver escort map, being played you know sometimes it gets a little concerning because it looks like their defense isn't going to hold and in this case they didn't hold and Hangzhou was Hangzhou was actually able to pull to pull all three and so you're like okay you know is this you know is this maybe a loss for the Vancouver Titans no <laughs> they come <laughs> back and I I can't find any hard resources on this Winston's lab is failing me on this one they say that King's Row's fastest map time is seven seconds set by some contenders. Uh, team, so. What? Can you even get through the map? No, that's is not that like a, a screen. I don't even think you can actually capture point eight. I think the, the actual tick timer is longer than seven seconds. So most, most definitely on that. Yeah. So, but what I can tell you is that the average time to finish King's Row is six minutes and 24 seconds. And they did it in two minutes and 44 seconds. So whether that's the fastest time or not, Precisely, that's a blazing speed for King's Row. 
they're very good on offense with a payload. They just, they get out in front of you and they snowball and they continue to snowball and they just don't let you recover yourself. There's no, Hey, we're going to sit on the cart and relax for a second. Let you guys get all six people back up, reset, you know, hunker down somewhere in a choke to where you can make a hold. No, we're coming for your throat. We're, you're going to step out further than you probably should have thinking you were safe and we're going to punish you for that. All right. And lastly, I wanted to do a little section. I'm going to say it's a highlight. It's maybe it's an in-depth look. We're going to deep dive a little bit into one specific match, but I kind of want to take a look at the Chengdu Paris match. I talked about this earlier that we we're going to we we're going to dive into it a little bit. But I wanted to start taking a look at why Chengdu are were so successful in stage 1 even though their record doesn't necessarily indicate that and why they're going to be crazy good here in stage 2. And the couple of things that I came up with when watching at least the Paris matchup were that their compositions, the way they play, are extremely resilient to one or two losses. So if they lose one of their players, so a lot of times they've been playing, uh, I've seen a lot of one, two, threes, basically wrecking ball, main tank, two supports of some sort, typically a mercy and something else, and then three DPS varying between Farah, Tracer, Sombra, a lot of different things. And you can lose one of those players in many of these cases. If you lose your, your flex support, you still have Mercy who can actually main main heal for an entire team for at least a certain amount of time. She has the res, so she can keep people going. Anyways, they're really resilient to those one or two losses. So they can keep fighting even if they've lost a player. They are really great at isolating heroes in odd places. So catching heroes coming out of spawn, catching heroes you know on a flank, catching heroes... <laughs> You know, separated from their team or getting them separate from their team and eliminating those players. So it reverts these teams into this almost individual play style. We've talked about New York Excelsior almost falling back into that in stage one. Houston, in some cases, falls into this thing where they're not really playing as a team anymore. And you can tell they're just kind of blowing ults at random times. They're not coordinating anymore. They're just trying to get a kill. And lastly, but not not least, I think it cannot be stated enough how incredible Amang is at Wrecking Ball. And he's that team is so good and so built around Amang playing Wrecking Ball that if you are focusing Amang, the rest of that team is tearing you apart. And if you're trying to focus on the rest of the squad, Amang is tearing you apart. It's just, it's he's crazy good at, at popping those shields at the right time to get the most off of him. His shields actually increase depending on how many players are around him. He's so good at knowing all the, the points where he can, you know, get great pile drivers. <laughs> to <be> mad, think <laughs> about that. But it, he, it's really incredible and in how well that team actually plays around it. And I do want to mention this. The Chengdu Hunters actually still don't have two players in the United States. So they're missing Yang Jia Lung and it's like Chichiri, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's still two players for Chengdu that aren't even in the United States. So they, Paris was so frustrated by the compositional differences that they actually solo grabbed Ameng behind the cart, just like a graviton surge specifically to stop him from pile driving the team <laughs> over and over. Well, that's Wrecking Ball in a nutshell, and Ameng plays him at a high level. You know, be annoying, be in the way, make good use of your shield, make good use of the pile driver, build your ult as quickly as possible, then you can create a ton of space. When you get a team that's focused on you, like you said, the, the DPS players get to run rough shot over you. And the best part about, about what Chengdu does is they, more or less, they make you play their game. They space you out 
They spread the map. I'm going to use as many basketball terms as I can right now. All right. But they do. They space you out across the map and they force you into one-on-one situations. Because if you don't take care of certain people, you take care of the fire in the air, take care of the McCree, the widow. If you keep letting them get shots away, they're going to pick somebody off and they're going to pick them off quickly. So you have to be concerned about that. But at the same time, you have Ameng just running around you the whole time. Like, hey, look at me. Look at me. Hey, I'm over here. Look at me. Come look (laughs) at me. And teams are frustrated because they don't know how to deal with it all the time. I'm I'm struggling to understand how hard it is to throw out a junk rat. Just throwing that out there. Just throw a trap down, you know, because once he's in it, he can die. Yeah, he can die. You know, maybe even get a, a Bridget stun on him. It's something. It just it doesn't make much sense to me that team struggled that much against Wrecking Ball. I will give credit to Ameng, though, because he plays it better than anybody else in the league right now. And then you build the composition around that to be able to frustrate the opponent and get them, you know, oh, my God, Ameng's here. But, oh, my God, if I poke around this corner, Widow's going to pick me off. Like, you're thinking that. You're playing mind games with everybody, and they're just on a different level with that. Unfortunately, the best teams know how to deal with it. The rest of the league is like, what are we doing? Yeah. And that brings episode 18 of the Let's Break It Down podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed our reactions to stage two, week one, and a couple of in-depth moments, a couple of highlights there. If you enjoy what you heard, you should follow us on Spotify, the Apple Podcasts application, or Google Play. You should definitely connect with us on Twitter at BreakItDownOWL. Let us know you started following. You should connect with Brian directly at jwill2287. And you should absolutely continue to listen to the podcast. We've got our preview for Stage 2, Week 2 coming up. 